Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Mom. First things first, thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. audience is too young for McLaughlin. Oh, my audience loves McLaughlin. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Ben Kissel, as always, with Marcus Parks. Uh, to get, today's guest, Naomi? Nomi? 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 Konst. Const. Oh, let's try this again. Okay, let's do it again. All right, <laughs> no, McLaughlin. No. <laughs> no, let's just start all over. McLaughlin. Then you say your audience is too young for McLaughlin. Your audience is too young for McLaughlin. My audience loves McLaughlin. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Ben Kissel, as always, with Marcus Parks. Hello. Naomi, Nomi, Konst. Nomi. Nomi, Konst. Konst. Oh, I see. Constitution. We should do it again. My name name is Nomi Konst, and I am going to be your host today. (laughs) Very good. Thanks for taking the way. Uh, Thank you for taking the reins. All right. South Carolina has come and gone for the Republicans. Donald Trump, as we predicted, is the victor. Marco Rubio did surprisingly well, getting number two. Cruz falling to three. Jeb. Poor Jeb. Jeb! Oh, wow. Jeb! God, I thought he was going to eat a fucking gun on stage. I thought he was, I thought he was going to go full Bud Dwyer on us. I thought we were going to see brain splattered into the back of the uh, canvas that was uh, hung behind him. But thankfully, he kept it together, and he barely cried, which yeah. is very nice. He even had a please clap moment during his during his suspension speech, where yes. he's talking, and he's just sort of like, and then he just kind of throws up his hands a little bit, like, please. He doesn't have to say please clap, but it's the please clap Well, moment. now we know he's thinking it, because he let us know. He, he let us into the insight into the mind of Jeb Bush, which is constantly, apparently, uh, requesting people to clap uh, for any words that he has to say. I would hate to see him at the bank. God, last night was an extremely important moment, I think, in American political history. It absolutely was. We will uh, discuss Donald Trump a little bit later on in the show, I'm sure, because I can't stop talking about no, no one can. the next president of the United <laughs> States of America, <laughs> Donald Trump's hair. All right, but let's go to the Democratic side. They had their caucus in Nevada. Of course, Hillary Clinton was up by roughly 50 points a few weeks ago, a a few months ago, three, four, five months ago. Bernie Sanders whittled that that lead down. It was pretty much neck and neck going into Nevada. And Nomi, you focus mostly on Democratic politics. I'm fascinated by Republican politics. Oh, I mean, who is it? I mean, how can you stay away from that clown circus? Uh, Yes, but a clown circus that is relatively honest when it comes to a voter's ability to cast a vote for the candidate that they believe would be the next president and that vote being counted. A popular vote. It's one person, one vote. One person. There you go. Who would thunk that Republicans would have clean elections and Democrats would do everything they can to (laughs) dismiss 
the population. That's right. Although if I was president, I would change that one person, one vote, unless that person is over 300 pounds, two votes. I give you a double vote. You've eaten yourself into two people. You get two votes. As long as they pay double the health care. That's okay. Sure. Good compromise. Okay. This is, we're getting things done. We're doing it, man. We're getting things done. So you were just on CNN recently discussing superdelegates and how they um, dictate the Repub uh, the Democratic Party, uh, specifically in their primary caucus. We mentioned on uh, last week's episode, Marcus mentioned Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the head of the DNC, straight up came out and said they do the delegates in order to prevent grassroots campaigns from really flourishing. Of course, the grassroots campaign in this situation would be Mr. Bernie Sanders. Right. So can you give the audience a little bit of an insight into how that process actually works? Because we hear 188 superdelegates have already uh, professed their love for Hillary before, the, before one vote was even cast. How did the Democratic Party get to this process? So the superdelegate process is a fairly new process for Demo the Democratic Party. It started in 1984 okay. in response to the McGovern campaign mm -hmm. and these grassroots campaigns. But think about the country back then. We were losing Reagan Democrats. You know, we had Democrats voting for Reagan. We created this blue dog coalition, the new Democrats. It was all about running Democrats that could appeal to more conservative voters right. who were, um, you know, union members. And, and, and that was their goal. They wanted a more electable Democrat. Would you say that would uh, that is because in the 80s, the country was much more of a center-right country? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Demographics show it um, unilaterally across the board. People were afraid of crime. They were, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, and this happened in the 90s as well. And that's how Bill Clinton really, really evolved. He was part of that movement. He became president. He ran on an anti-crime uh, model mm -hmm. because, you know, he was fighting against Bush Sr., as we all know. And then he really um, he created the crime bill, he, welfare reform. You know, we can get into all those topics. But he created a different Democratic Party in the 90s that was a more conservative blue dog Democratic Party. And the congressional right. members reflected that. So when we hear about Bill Clinton, when we talk about Bill Clinton, uh, his 1991 campaign coming off uh, being a governor of Arkansas, a very small state, an impoverished state. Nobody. Who's the governor of Arkansas right now? We follow politics very closely. I can't name it off the Jesus top of Christ. my head. Okay. No. So, not Huckabee. It's not Huckabee. He's the best bass player governor of all time, though, and I'll say it again. And you know what, Huckabee? He's eating himself into two votes. He's <laughs> getting big again. Huck, watch it, Huck. Oh, he's so nice, though. Oh, he is. He is one of those. Huckabee is one of those guys who was so nice, and then he ends every sentence with, and gays go to hell. And you're like, oh, what happened? Why, Huckabee? Why, Huck? What happened? We were having such a nice time discussing uh, music. Yeah, he reminds me so much of all these people back in Texas, back home, where you're like, man, I'm having a great time yeah. hanging out there. And they're like, but you know, fags? Yeah. Uh, man. Right. Just, just between you and me. <laughs> just between you and me, all right? They all got to go to hell, yeah. and we're going to send them over the border to Mexico yeah. and make them pay for it. Oh, isn't that something? Right. It'll be a beautiful a, wall. It's such a great time to come about Pink Floyd. It so, will be a beautiful wall, though. Yeah, oh, Let's it would be, be the best. Fair. Come on. So 1991, now, Bill Clinton's campaign was relatively grassroots. Nobody thought he was going to win the presidency. It was an extremely close election. How was he able to um, work in the structure with the delegates and actually procure the nomination. That's a tough one. Um, I think part of the process, what, what separates 1991 and for all 
for the for the truth of the matter here, 2008, right. was that you had several candidates running. Yeah. So you didn't have one grassroots candidate. They wanted a bunch of moderates. They wanted a bunch of uh, Democrats from across the board to run. Nobody was trying to fix an election for one candidate. Mm-hmm. Flash forward to 2016. Right. And in August of, two, I'm sorry, 2015, in August, Hillary Clinton already locked down 359 superdelegate endorsements. Mm. That doesn't mean that they're pledging to vote for her. That means they're out there campaigning for her, raising money for her. These are state party leaders, mm-hmm. local party leaders, they're elected officials, and somehow we're being told by Debbie Wasserman Schultz that oh, well, they're going to be making their, it doesn't matter what their opinion is now, it doesn't matter what, who they're endorsing now, because if it turns, if Bernie Sanders starts to win more, right. then they can change their mind. Oh yeah, I'm sure that these people who are out there campaigning and raising money who expect some sort of benefits, because don't right. think that they're endorsing and not expecting anything in return. It's sort of like a tennis match where one player is playing on a beautiful grass and the <laughs> other player plays on clay. Mm-hmm. So Bernie is on the clay yeah. and Hillary has every advantage. But if Bernie can win a few matches, they'll give him a little piece of sod. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? It's um. I'm king of analogies, by the way. And that was <laughs> another great Ben Kissel analogy. <laughs> you need like a little sound mm-hmm. to go with it. Like ding, ding, ding. Oh, there oh, it is. Cowbell. Yeah. Wow. We'll take it. So, yeah. But really explain. So, okay, so you say 300 plus delegates out there campaigning for Hillary. What does the delegate do? What is the job? Mm-hmm. No, because if they, is it possible for them not to reflect the will of the people? Yes. Could they go against the will of the people and appoint the person that they, uh, literally appoint the person that they want to uh, see uh, hold the office? Yeah. So in, in 2008, people, you know, Hillary supporters mainly, like to point to the fact that she won the popular vote in Nevada, but she lost the superdelegates and de- delegates in Nevada because okay. uh, Barack Obama got them. Well, that was partly her fault in that she didn't caucus in rural communities. It's not totally reflective. Obviously, we want a one-person, one-vote system. Mm-hmm. But in the in the total game of the whole scheme, the scheme of of, of two thousand eight, she and 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 Obama were in a heated campaign up until the end, and people were making up their minds. Mm-hmm. Now, the situation right now is almost unanimously the establishment, give or take three or four endorsements by congressional members that are progressive. Yeah, Ellison and a few others. Yeah, so. exactly. Ellison, Grijalva, uh, that's pretty much it. Oh my God, he got, he got Grijalva too, huh? Grijalva? <laughs> sounds, like sounds like something you go to the doctor for. <laughs> he's the mm. chair of the Progressive Caucus. Um, he's Congressional Progressive Caucus and he's also from Southern Arizona. Very nice. Yes, fan of the beer. Which you ran for Congress in. <laughs> I did. Yes, we'll, we'll get to yeah, that a little bit later. That. So, it's 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 an uphill battle for for Bernie Sanders, but it's what's shocking here is that we have a different party. We are fundamentally more progressive. We're seventy percent more progressive than we were ten years ago. Right. Think about since the eighties. We're a completely different party. So this system should not be in place. It doesn't reflect the will of the people. It's purely undemocratic. And I think that mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders should be making a case on Tuesday night at the town hall that we should just scrap the system. Now. If you really want to get into the weeds here and talk about the caucuses, I think that we should get rid of the caucus system because they're being controlled by state party leaders who are endorsing Hillary Clinton. Well, I did. Did mm. you see that uh, video from the Nevada caucus oh, where yes. they're bringing in they they're bringing in people to caucus for Hillary that aren't registered? Yep. And they're saying, "Oh, well, we'll register after him because the deadline was coming up. Sure. We're gonna we're gonna register after him," and they never did. So yeah. it's just they just brought a bunch of assholes in. Yeah. From out of state, a lot of them. Yeah, right. Some of them are my friends. All right. So (laughs) how is it then that we live in a country where when you talk about voter fraud, when you talk about restricting uh, the ability for people to get out and express their opinion at the polls, 
the blame and the uh, scrutiny usually goes to the Republican side mm -hmm. because the Republicans pass voter ID laws because they believe that you should be smart enough to go and get a registration form that says who you are in order to vote. I don't think it's that extreme of an idea when in reality, uh, the Democratic Party uh, since 84, like you said, has had um, democracy in question with no uh, no doubt uh, the democracy of the the democratic process is in question with the Democratic Party. Well, I'd say that up until this point, an election has not been this close. Even Obama and Hillary were were fighting a battle, but every state was not coming down right. to a couple of points. Of course, they had John Edwards in, in there as exactly. kind of a buffer for a little while exactly. and things like that. Yeah, so you know, it hasn't really been called into question. I think in two thousand eight, people were talking about it. It was it, they saw that it was a, a broken, you know, it was is a broken system. I was on today with somebody who is a super delegate, and and the woman that I was on with was trying to make the case that oh, it's just like the electoral college. And I was like, Maria, come on, Maria Cardona. I was like, be real. The electoral college is is a constitutional it is something in our constitution. That is what our country was built on. There is a case for the Electoral College. There is no, it's not the Electoral College. It doesn't mean. Okay, so now in what sense? The Electoral College, from my base understanding, is to give small states the ability to uh, have their voice heard mm -hmm. so the large states don't just uh, put in another king. Right. right, put in another king, which seems just the opposite of what we're doing right now on the Democratic side. Because the people who are choosing these super delegates are not your average delegate, because anybody can run for delegate that's active in the party. Mm -hmm. They are people who have donated a lot of money to the DNC. Mm -hmm. They are party leaders who are like the worst hacks in the world, who never want to see any sort of change. They want the establishment person in. Um, right. And they're elected officials. And so my, my whole point that I was making on TV was if Bernie Sanders wants to win these superdelegates over because that's what they're asking how do you communicate Bernie's message to them right I would be like if you want a Democratic Party in eight years you need to pay attention to who's voting for Bernie Sanders because mm -hmm. overwhelmingly over 65% of those under the age of 55 are supporting Bernie Sanders it's 86% under uh, 40 mm. that's a Big number. That's right. shocking. Uh, women under 40, 45% uh, 45 uh, of them support Bernie. Men 55 uh, under 40 support Bernie as well. So you're saying the party is slowly, uh, it, their, their constituency is dying out. They're dying out and, and they're out of touch. I think right. that the Democratic Party, and I'm, I have my own issues with them, being somebody that ran for office as, as a 28-year-old. What was an issue that you uh, faced when you ran for office? Oh, the fact that the Democratic Party leaders wouldn't even take meetings with me, even though I had raised over like $350,000 for presidential candidates. Right. You know, I played the game, and they still were like, oh, sweetheart, literally, quotation, sweetheart, mm. go run for school board. So, you know, I was a part of, I worked the establishment. I said, I'm going to work on the ground. I'm going to be field director. I'm going to go and raise money for campaigns. I'm going to be a communications right. director. I'm going to do all the things you're supposed to do. And then when my seat, the seat, Gabby Gifford's seat opened up, and I saw the ca candidates that were ready to run, um, I had a few people reach out to me and say, listen, none of these people are ready for prime time. And I didn't necessarily think that I was, but I didn't right. think that they were any better. And then I also looked at Michelle Bachman, who was in office, and I said, I can do better than that woman. And she's right. a congresswoman, so why can't I run? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you just kind of have to keep things in perspective. Well, did you ever think about marrying a closeted gay man? <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> because true. that's what Michelle did with Marcus. Good point. That Good might point. have helped out. <laughs> have you ever uh, thought about really just fucking up your eyes real bad? <laughs> you know, I haven't thought about marrying a closeted gay man, but I've definitely dated a few <laughs> closeted gay men. Well, you're getting there then. So it's a slippery slope. No, that's nice. As soon as you get that ring on your finger, you're going to be the next congressman or congresswoman out of uh, Arizona. So the process, 
you found it to be completely non-democratic and clunky yeah. and almost impossible to break through yeah. as, a, as a new voice in the Democratic Party. Do you think that if Elizabeth Warren would have run in this cycle, she would be the front runner right Absolutely. now? Absolutely. I didn't, you know, I was reluctant to say so um, six, eight months ago. Yeah. I was not on the Bernie bandwagon eight months ago. I believed in his message. I didn't mm -hmm. think it was realistic. I was on the Joe Biden bandwagon. Mm -hmm. uh, I did not understand the power of his message. I right. I got the relevancy of it, but as somebody who did work in party politics, I was still kind of like, well, we need somebody who's in between. I I think some of it is also a reaction. I know that people don't like to say this, but it is a reaction to Hillary Clinton. Yes. I, I am I believe in Bernie Sanders' message. I believe in the movement. I'm really inspired by the people that the number of people that show up and, and are working for him. I'm really ticked off by the voter suppression on the part of Hillary Clinton, and I'm, I'm not using that term loosely. I was so, in Iowa, and I saw it, and that's when I lost it. I want to get into that. Yeah. Obviously, we covered very closely what Ted Cruz did in Iowa right. uh, with the, with the fake robocalls, discussing how Ben Carson was dropping out of the race. They they gave the they sent out the letters that made it look like you were going to go to prison right. if you didn't vote for Ted Cruz, which is <laughs> terrifying for these people who didn't realize it was a gimmick uh, and a political trick. What was something right. that Hillary did? Because Bernie did address it a little bit, but I think he was also so ecstatic to just basically tie yeah. that it didn't get that much traction. What's something that the Hillary campaign did against Bernie in Iowa that you thought was particularly nefarious? So I went to a I went to a couple caucuses, but I went to one in particular that was at Drake University, and I was shocked by how many people were there. There were lines out the door yeah. for this auditorium. I think they ended up counting like 500 and something number of students that were there overwhelmingly for Bernie, a few people for Martin O'Malley, which was kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and Martin <laughs> O'Malley. the dudes with the abs. <laughs> yeah. And he showed up. So I clearly like that was his constituency. That was yeah. the one person I was like, there they are. We found him, America. Oh, man. I, oh, I want to shake all <laughs> their hands. So cute. Yeah. So other than the fact that the Hillary people were trying to convince Martin O'Malley caucus goers to to side with Hillary. Right. Um, aside from even though they were more likely to support Bernie which was a poll uh, poll number that came out the week before. I The caucus was supposed to close its doors at 7 o'clock. Mm -hmm. So there was a line out the door at 7 o'clock. People, there, were, there was no room. No People were sitting on each other's laps on the floor. There was some person sitting on a stool, some person like sitting on the edge of a, of a chalkboard, like that little thing that holds mm -hmm. the chalk on the chalkboard. Yeah. Um, it was crazy. And I was taking pictures of this all, and the media was all there. Nobody could fit in the room. And, okay. they, and you had... Hillary staffers or people or whatever they were not supposed to be on the premises trying to register voters voters right by the door and then when they realized that they weren't registering for Hillary which they're not allowed to do mm -hmm. they were like well we got to close the doors now it's seven o'clock you need to go to a different caucus location across well, it was already seven o'clock everywhere like right. all the caucuses were closing at seven o'clock right so I had a, like I was calling the, the the building officials there were a few people there that I was with that had run campaigns before one person who's an elected official is like, this is not, this is shady. Right. And there was no election monitoring. So they're shutting the door on students, not bringing them in. Then once the caucus started going on, these very intelligent Bernie supporters, I have to say, young people, I'm so impressed by them right now. Yeah. These supporters are really bright. They were raising their hands saying, um, why was it that four years ago we learned that the caucus was down in the auditorium over there that can hold 1,200 people? Mm. Why, when you knew that... It was the location that there was going to be record turnout. Why did you pick this location? Right. And they were like, oh, well, it wasn't available tonight. And they're like, what are you talking about? It was open. Well, I was just there. I had a class. It was open. So 
there was the choice of the locations, which is set by the ding, 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 ding party leaders mm-hmm. that had already endorsed Hillary Clinton. Your Debbie Wallstrom did the DNC chairman and things like that. Well, the local party leaders. Local party leaders. Okay, which, I see. You know, right. if 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 Debbie Wasserman Schultz's language and her choices and the emails she blasts out are any reflection of Iowa, which was an important state. I mean, caucuses are generally stronger for grassroots candidates. Right. Which is why I don't necessarily buy into what happened in Nevada, despite the fact there's been a lot of reporting saying that, you know, people were turned away. There were Hillary staffers putting on nurses association, the nurses uh, unions shirts. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, a, there's it, this is just old dirty tricks, Chicago style tricks. Mm-hmm. The Democratic Party does have a history of this in some cities. Right. It's machine politics. But define machine politics. Machine politics. Um, I think it's probably alive and well in ethnic communities in New York. You would you would know it's yeah. like uh, over overwhelmingly African American communities still have machine politics where there's a boss mm. and they appoint all their people. And um, now nowadays it's lower income communities. It's, and so the people that uh, are the boss, yeah. they tell the underlings who to vote for, and if those people choose to re- uh, rebel and vote for who they want, they'll have uh, it, there'll be negative ramifications yeah. for their actions. Yeah, you don't challenge the. Uh, the party boss, you know, right. challenge the, uh, the 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 person that they're backing. So no, this is like gangs of New York it politics. Is, yeah, I yeah. mean, it's Chicago. When people say Chicago style politics, that's it. That's that's, it. that's what it is. It's dying, but we're seeing the art come into light right now with the Hillary, Hillary Clinton campaign. We live in a time where there's more uh, interaction with uh, with leaders and with celebrities via social media. I mean, we're one tweet away, theoretically, from talking to Kanye West or whoever, <laughs> right? Theoretically. Do you think this will be the last uh, Democratic primary uh, contest where we have these superdelegates and delegates put in place? Do you think that this election, if at the very least Bernie does end up losing, but at the very least he gets one thing changed with his message of, uh, of changing the way the institutions are run in this country, do you think that's something that he could actually get done? If he loses this uh, primary, he can actually make some positive change for the future generations of progressives when it comes to gra- grassroots campaigns and their ability to actually get uh, representation. That's a big question because the people who would have to decide that are the members of the Democratic National Committee right and now. And why would is there any incentive for them to decide no, that? No. So you Not have right a situation. I mean, well, well, they want they want members. Right. They want a Democratic Party that's thriving. And when they, I'm sure they're freaking out and panicking right now when they look at the demographics. There's no way in in hell, no way in effing hell. That number of millennials, forget about millennials, those under 45 are going to turn out for Hillary Clinton in that general election. Yeah. They're not Democratic establishment voters. A lot of them are independent leaning. A lot of them have left the party and happen to be liberal or just caucusing and going to primaries. Mm-hmm. You know, these are not Hillary's supporters. So the Democratic Party is losing membership. They got to switch things up. Right. But I don't think that the people in, in power, per se, right now are are really uh, taking the actions to do so. They've been ignoring the problem for a while. Right, and it doesn't seem like they have any incentive to change anything whatsoever. Just uh, lastly with the Democrats, mm-hmm. we'll go over to the Republican Party <laughs> uh, because that is a much more different, <laughs> much more fun and a much different uh, conversation that we'll have. Do you think uh, this loss in Nevada, again, he lost by roughly four uh, points, but right. because the expectations game became quite higher in a strange way, Hillary was able to, again, pretend as if she was the underdog a few days you know, going into the Nevada right. caucuses. They were 
way underplaying um, what they thought that she would do in the state, how, how they thought she would do in the state. Do you think this loss for Bernie now, obviously they're going to be going into South Carolina, mm-hmm. Super Tuesday, things like that. Do you think this is going to be a, uh, a death blow to his campaign or can he rebound? Do you want my like insider conversation or do you want my like public conversation? Let's start with the insider and then we'll go to the public. I think what happened in Iowa and Nevada is complete voter fraud. I mean, she had a very strong ground game, but I think that the the numbers and the 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 reports in are shocking. Like I got a phone call from somebody who was working on the ground in the Sanders campaign in Nevada Mm -hmm. earlier today. And I was just like, this is disgusting. And Sanders, I don't think, is equipped the way that Barack Obama was in 2008 and 2012 against Republicans. Well, what was the difference in, in 08 with Obama? Because obviously one-term senator, yeah. uh, we talk about it all the time, Sanders is the longest-sitting independent yeah. in uh, congressional history. Why wasn't Bernie more prepared for how the Democrats uh, elect a presidential nominee? I mean, wouldn't he know what the process is? I don't th- – well, f- a few things. Barack Obama came from Chicago. He had very strong African-American support sure. and some machine support, so keep that in mind. Okay. Also, Hillary Clinton had no idea that Barack Obama was going to kick his butt in Iowa and she would come in third place. Sure. So Iowa was 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 essential was essential for Barack Obama's win. Yeah. I mean, it was a psychological thing. If Bernie Sanders had won Iowa, which he came very close to doing, mm-hmm. this would be a completely different game. Um, and I think his numbers were there for Nevada as well. Caucuses are really hard to measure, but they usually tend to support grassroots support, you know, grassroots candidacies. Right. And 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 the reality is. If you look at the delegate count, the strict, just basic delegate count, it's actually pretty close. It's about four delegates. Yeah, exactly. And and um, well, that'll be my next question. But yeah. um, so, and what's your public thought? What would so you my, say? My public thought. Let's would, say I'm Wolf Blitzer. Mm. Well, Wolf. Welcome back to CNN. The Malaysian plane is still not found. <laughs> we'll have more on the Malaysian plane, but first. No, Mickey Cones. <laughs> See, even the pros make the mistake. Exactly. What, Hi, yeah. What, what would you tell him? Wolf. Thank you for the really easy question. I know you won't be following up with a tough one. But. No, I won't be. The Malaysian plane's coming up right after the break. Right after the break. Um, listen, Wolf, this is an election that is going to be taken state by state by state. It is not about it is not about the states won. It is about the margins won. Mm-hmm. And right now, Bernie Sanders has won the widest margin in New Hampshire in mm. the popular vote states. When you look at the caucus states, it's been so tight. And when it comes down to it, those delegate counts are what's important. So right. if he comes in, you know, with these numbers in all 50 states, she will not have the number of delegates she needs. And she's going to be relying on those superdelegates. But if she comes in, if he comes in with those numbers, that's when some superdelegates are going to start to switch over to Bernie Sanders, understanding that we have a real election moving forward. Not to mention the fact that Bernie Sanders is the only person that beats all of the Republican candidates on a national poll, and Hillary Clinton does not, not even close. She's trounced by every single Republican candidate. So we have to keep in mind this electability messaging that she's throwing out there is a complete farce. Mm -hmm. Nothing about Hillary Clinton, the most divisive Democrat in recent history, or history in general, is is electable with right. his electorate. Nomi, we got to cut you off. we got to do a commercial from <laughs> Northrop Grumman. Coming up next, after the break, the Malaysian plane. Was it Malaysian? <laughs> Very interesting. So, do we, And we have discussed how these delegates are going to be relatively yeah. um, spread out evenly. The way I like to spread mayonnaise on a piece of bread. God, these analogies are so good. Is it possible? Uh, that one was... Uh, like I like to spread mayonnaise on a piece of toast. Yeah. I baked it. I, I, I toasted the bread this white time. White toast. All white Old toast. Old stale white mm, toast. Don't even get me started. <laughs> 
Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, do you think it will, is it possible that we see a brokered convention for the Democrats? You know, the media loves this idea of a brokered convention. How is it unavoidable if it, if it will be a relatively uh, similar split? I think that Bernie Sanders is going to have to change his message a little bit soon. And, and You think so? I think he has to call out a lot of these inconsistencies in the campaign and call out Hillary Clinton's, you know, she, she plays these... Um, she plays these, or her campaign, or her surrogates play these games like, like, look over there, Bernie Sanders has a union, a.k.a. a super PAC, supporting him, right. as opposed to the fact that she's accepted more Wall Street money than any candidate in history, Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter. Right. He, she's like, oh, look, he once went to a party and there was a Wall Street guy there. Like, mm-hmm. this, is, this is all red herring politics. Right. He has to start saying, you want to play red herring, Hillary, let's talk about the fact that you've you know, accepted more money from Wall Street and you think that you're not getting anything in return. And he's done a little bit of that, but he's got to play a little bit more hardball. He has mm-hmm. to connect the message with the African-American community and the economic message yeah. and crack down on her her record. Bill Clinton also plays uh, Red Herring, but it's a yeah. sexual game and we don't <laughs> talk about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was amazing. <laughs> Thank that you. Bernie Sanders not being good with women. This thing. is what I was going to... Yeah. How does Bernie navigate being going against Hillary because the arguments against Hillary uh, in 2008 were nullified because Barack was black. So it was like we have two sort of protected classes in the the country. So how is a 74-year-old balding, kind of chubby-looking, kind of angry grandfather-type fella, how is he going to be able to attack Hillary without her just being like, you're a sexist? Just, I mean, it, because that's sort of the Teflon Everything. that she has. Yeah, every, every, sir, and I get this as a Bernie Sanders surrogate right now. You're not a real feminist. You're well, you're going to hell. Democrat. There's a special place in hell for you. Special place in hell for yeah. me. And it's like, listen, I used to be a Hillary Clinton supporter, and then I looked at her record, and I was like, um, economic injustice is the worst form of sexism that you can possibly imagine. Mm. You know, if you want to suppress minorities, you side with the Wall Street class. I understand the economy. And I understand that you need to, like, we're in a capitalist society. I'm not a socialist. I understand all these things. But I'm not going to completely ignore the fact that, let's go through my stats about African Americans that I just talked about on screen. Right. Uh, the fact that an average black family has total net worth of $11,000 a year. Oh, guess what the white what family is? Guess what the white family is? 12000 $141,000 in net worth. So you look at net worth. Wow. Houses, cars. You know. It's insane. 
the economic disparity. Right. And these are the things. Hillary Clinton is like, well, Bernie Sanders is a single issue candidate. And yeah, that's her new thing. Her that's new what thing. she's trying to. Her new thing is right. saying he's a single issue candidate, and, I, and there there are multiple issues that are going on here. But mm. then she'll go on to talk about the things that are a direct result of economic exactly. issues. Exactly. Right. You, you you just nabbed it right on the head. And and by the way. Where are her plans? She yeah. likes to sit here and say that his plans aren't aren't possible, and then she quotes three economists who happen to be people that used to work for her, or supported her, right? And 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 she sits there and she's like, "Well, they're not possible." Well, have you ever read his plans? Have you ever seen what what? Okay, maybe the cost benefit analysis is a little bit different. There are 170 world economists, top economists, who've supported his plans. But more than anything, why don't we try? She's right. basically running an election of I am a I am a symbol. By by being a woman, mm-hmm. um, this is good for feminists everywhere. This is a symbolic thing that the Democratic Party needs to do. Mm-hmm. Just like the Republicans are like, well, we need to support, Bern- you know, Marco Rubio and all these other candidates because they're symbolic of the future of the Republican Party. Sure, which was very uh, evident. Nikki Haley, of course, right. the governor Tim of Scott. South Carolina, uh, came out with an, an endorsed Rubio. It was Rubio, uh, a, a, a black fella. Tim that, Scott. Oh, Tim Scott. I'm sorry. Yeah, mm-hmm. Tim Scott and and uh, and and Nikki, of course, who is um, she's Indian. She's yeah. uh, 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 her parents. Uh, immigrated from India. So they did, and that was the exact point of that photo op and that endorsement. Right. Right. And uh, Mitt Romney also came out today, officially, or he's going to be endorsing Marco Marco Rubio. Rubio. Oh, he is? Oh, my God, Rubio is getting endorsed by the person no one wants at the party? That's so (laughs) fun. Why don't you not endorse me? That might be nicer. I love when they, like, say, well, Marvino, he might be running. He might be running just just to save the party. We might have oh, Mitt, Mitt Romney. Yeah. Like Mitt Romney was a real voter go-getter there. <laughs> he <laughs> was. Um, yes. So you're saying with her actual economic policies, they do nothing to benefit the black vote uh, or, I mean, black people. No, but she doesn't seem to be – Bernie isn't – he doesn't seem to be eroding the black yeah. support that she's getting in South Carolina, which is, of course, the next massive state uh, to primary – is there a way? Wh- how could he get that uh, black vote? And why is it so impossible to erode the Clinton support within that community? It's establishment politics. I mean, like you were saying earlier. So the yeah. party heads uh, in these uh, in these black communities, uh, maybe it's a church leader yep, or individual, exactly. uh, maybe a congressman or a, a state assembly person. They um, they are telling people how to vote, and those people are just Very falling in line. Except with younger voters who don't respond to these establishment types. And do endorsements anymore. matter more in the Democratic Party than they do in the Republican Party? Mm, that's tough. Um, no, I wouldn't say so. I think that the the Democratic, well, because if I was a Republican, the only endorsement I would seek right now is to uh, exhume Ronald Reagan's corpse, hook yeah. it up into a, by, <laughs> by the world's greatest puppeteer, and just be like, I love Donald Trump. You know, just like, whatever. Like, that's the only endorsement I can think yeah. about on the right that is so sought after uh, yeah. and, uh, and, would, and would really maybe sway voters because people on the right do them. They pride themselves on freedom, yeah. liberty, independence. Um, if you tell me how to vote, I'm voting the other way just because you told me how to vote. That's why the I children. Would, they're not children, Marcus. <laughs> that's not children. That's not children act. That that's is how. A- no, that is how adults act, Marcus. Don't even get me started. But I, in the Democratic yeah. side, it does seem to maybe uh, weigh a little bit heavier, be- and perhaps that is because of the sort of institution that they created for their uh, primary process. Yeah, I think it has to do with. I wouldn't say that endorsements don't matter on the Republican side. I just think there are a lot of candidates, and yeah. being an anti because there's so many candidates, they've had to create this anti-establishment. 
you know, it, it's, it's very divided in our party. There's a very clear path. You had to decide, are you on the anti-establishment path or are you mm. on the establishment path? And there's a generational divide because, you know, a lot of anti-establishment people are younger. They haven't mm -hmm. been, they're not indebted to the party. I'm right at that cutoff. A lot of, most of my friends are supporting Hillary Clinton. Okay. And most of them are picking fights with me right now. And all I say is, what are you going to do in 10 years? Because you're not going to be able to cash those chits in in 10 years. Right. You're going to have a completely different party in 10 years. And, and, and most likely, those younger voters are going to be really, I mean, we're eating our young right now. We're essentially saying, we don't care about your movement. Mm -hmm people who are not in the party and under a certain age, we want somebody that we can elect and who's mm. more uh, pragmatic. And then as a result, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. They dismiss those voters, mm. and then those voters have to become pragmatic because they're like, well, nothing's possible in the idealist world. Isn't you know it, what I'm saying? It's something very interesting because uh, the old notion was always Democrats were less we're more uh, willing to take risks. They're more artistic. They're more creative. They're willing to just do uh, more more left-thinking individuals. They find a way from A to B. They get, they go to a Z and they come back to B. They find different, unique ways. But if you look at the Republican Party right now, oh, yeah. there is no riskier candidate than Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. And uh, and and so let's we'll we'll transfer a little bit now uh, to what happened in South Carolina with uh, with that race. Um, is it, isn't it interesting, the uh, philosophy of the Republican Party, they are completely rejecting dynasty politics. Yep. I mean, Jeb Bush, like we uh, joked about earlier, is com he got 7.8% of the vote in South Carolina. He never really polled uh, in the double digits consistently uh, throughout this entire mm -hmm. campaign. They completely shunned the idea of a third Bush presidency, and they're allowing a, um, a reality television star to take fire and uh, really control the narrative for their entire party. Do you think that there is a uh, a philosophical shift in the country because we have now had eight years of Barack Obama, and we talked about this on a few previous shows. David Axelrod wrote a great article in the t yeah. in the New York Times about uh, the most important president, the most important uh, person running in this, the most important person in this race is the sitting president, right? Because people are voting against what what is this what is the status quo which is obviously the once considered extremely liberal liberal Barack Obama so do you actually think the Republican party is uh, is more open minded to the idea of changing the country than the Democrats are right now. Well, they want to change it, but they want to change it to 1952 when, when there were three broadcasters on TV and they're all white and they were only talking about white problems and ignoring the majority of the population. Is that I right? Mean, <laughs> 1952, huh? Uh, 1952. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, when was America great? America yeah. was great in 1776. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the, they're trying to, to do that again, trying yeah. to make that again. I mean, Let's, we're we're going to go over with the Brits. We're going to go fight the British. <laughs> we're going to make America great again. <laughs> no, but they do seem yeah. more willing to take a chance on a candidate that is completely as uh, there is no security. There is yeah. it yeah. is it is a it is you close your eyes. It is a leap of faith. The uh, the endorsement of Donald Trump to support Trump. Right. It is really it is as a. Uh, it is as faith-driven as it is to believe that Christ rose again in three days. And that's actually key right there. You look at his support, and you have two to th three groups of support, but I'm going to focus on two, that are that will help answer this this question. Okay. You've got evangelicals. Yes, shockingly. Shockingly, yeah. who, um, you know, put their trust in somebody who, uh, blind faith, as you say, mm -hmm. complete blind faith in in God and institution to answer all of their problems, to surrender all their problems to prayer. Yes. Um, and then you also have uneducated, and I use that because that's the actual term that you're supposed to use. I will say in uneducated South Carolina, voters. he won with 
women, men, and people with college degrees. He loses to people with post college uh, degrees. With post college degrees, right. but if but in among high only high school degrees, he kills it. Yes, he, he crushes. It, yes, he crushes it. And yeah. so without that number, and that was key in Iowa too, mm-hmm. um, which he didn't end up you know getting the evangelical support because Cruz had invested so much time and energy in Iowa. But he took off a much larger chunk than I thought he was going exactly. to. My parents are evangelical, and I'm really, truly stunned that evangelicals are going with Trump because in this cycle they say, we want to elect a winner, and Donald Trump says, all we're going to do is win. They say, right. oh, we'll go with him. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. very simple. Well, that, I mean, they're really into onward Christian soldiers right now. That's the evangelical. Yeah. Sure. That, and, that's that's their boner right now. And, and of course, <laughs> you have and, – and, and, and Trump plays in with it. We've talked about this a lot on the show, and now that we've seen the results of South Carolina, we always said we'll – racism trump religion yeah Uh, and it did if you go back to what trump said the day of uh maybe the day before uh the primary he he referenced uh i'm forgetting the name of the general yeah i can't remember either it's a debunked story it's a debunked story it was a general it was during the philippines there was a war oh too bad i forget the name of the general google it it'll be fine he dipped uh he dipped uh Bullets in pig's blood. Well, that's what they when said. Is this, they did, yeah. and that and but, that right there. What? Let's let's look at the difference between our conversations about the Democrats and yeah. the Republicans. The Democrats. Uh, well, the this word is why they, we were trying to get to the Republicans. The, yeah, the word that kept coming up was super delegates. Republicans, pig's blood. Pig's, pig's blood. blood. <laughs> that's it, it, the difference. That's right. And a but wall. No, the, the general. Yes, he's the 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 the, the story is there was fifty so Philippine uh, Muslims and he shot forty nine in the head with bullets dipped in pig's blood and he looked at the other one he said. I let you live and you go tell him what happened. Yeah. You know. And so Donald Trump references this. I don't know how would it occur oh uh, now in America you take a big drone missile, you just take a big <laughs> yeah. ICBM and you dip it in a vat of pig's blood yeah. and then you're just like put it on the plane. I have no idea how you do that now. <laughs> but it's like crazy. But you know, so he is using this very uh heated this heated anti-Muslim rhetoric. I suppose uh, that is what's helping him get the evangelical support. Mm-hmm. Huh? I yeah. mean, I I believe so. Listen, my my family I have some evangelicals in my family. Well, no, wait, they're not evangelical. They're born again. Which, same thing. That's, yeah, same yeah, that's thing. It. Yeah, I've got them too. Okay, so well, they were like, we're not evangelical. We're born again. Okay, whatever. Okay, well, I don't really get the difference, but yeah. um, <laughs> go go back and do it again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Be like, can you triple burn born yourself? I don't know. Oh yeah, and and they're the most judgmental people I've ever met in my life. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I had to spend a nice month with them recently, and Good. during that month, I watched watched them go from the Carson train to the Cruz train to the Donald Trump train. Oh my God! And then the Jews are going to a train, uh, <laughs> but that's not that's not going yeah. to a good. But the Muslims are going to another train, <laughs> yeah. and, but they and, they, and the Mexicans are going on, on yeah. another train oh, also. My favorite part was I went to my aunt who's who's a born again, and I said something about my boyfriend. She goes, well, "Tell me about your boyfriend." I go, "Well, he's um da 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 da. He's Jew." I said something about his Jewish parents, and he goes, "She goes, oh, I love the Jews." Yeah, I was like, they "I'm do. sorry, what? It's you very love trendy for evangelicals to said, love Jews. They like, always they're have. They're going to yeah. kick you out when you're in Israel. You understand that, right? Like you <laughs> no, can't invade Israel well, you, either. You know what it is. No, so. Israel wins over the uh, the Gaza Strip, yeah. right? And then the Christians go in and take the Gaza Strip from the uh, from uh, Jewish people, and then the Christians, I guess they they yeah. win. So all they want to do is get rid of the Muslims, which are the middleman, so then they can go kill the Jews. Exactly, it's that's, very that's bad. exactly it. There you go. <laughs> it's really and it's the Jews very are crazy. like, you think but, we don't realize what you're doing here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, have you ever cut a deal with us before? Oh my god, you're goodness. good. <laughs> exactly. 
Oh, my goodness. But you know what's so interesting? So let's just break down the numbers really quick here. So what happened in uh, in South Carolina? Donald Trump got roughly 31% of the vote. Uh, uh, Rubio got 22.7, uh, mm-hmm. I want to say. And Cruz was very, very close behind Rubio with like 22.3 or something like this. Uh, other than that, it was Jeb was 7.8, Kasich was 7.3, something like this. And, uh, and Carson coming in uh, with the sevens also. A lot of the people in mainstream media... Lamestream Lame media, don't even media. get me started. Oh, yeah. We're back with the Malaysian plane. Turns out <laughs> it was a bus. Okay. Um, they they often say you got to start dropping out K six of the world, Carsons of the world. Uh, yeah. Jeb obviously took their took their word for it because we need to galvanize support for one candidate so we can beat Trump. If you, I do believe right. Carson support much of that will go to Cruz. But like we were just talking about with the evangelicals and Trump. I think he's taking at least three percent of Carson yeah. supporters. Mm-hmm. If if he takes two percent of Kasich supporters, if he takes half of what Jeb supporters, I, I, although I don't know if Jeb supporters would vote for Trump, considering the the sheer, just the <laughs> the atrocious pummeling that, that uh. Trump put all over that has that has occurred to poor Jeb. It's so with that notion that we can somehow coalesce, they can somehow coalesce. Um, a candidate against, you know, and, and take those votes, and they'll go for a candidate against Trump. I think it's a flawed idea because all mm-hmm. Trump has to do is take a quarter of all those supporters, yeah. and then boom, he's right back, better right. and stronger and bigger than ever. And if Bernie Sanders gets out of the race, a lot of those independent. I mean, there's some people. Yes. I mean, it's not a huge number, but. Who knows? I mean, these numbers are so weird that you have and no people's, idea. And people's yeah. political philosophies are all over the map. All and over And Donald Trump's political map. philosophy is all over the map. Mm-hmm. I was in New Hampshire, and I went. I was just asking people. I was doing some canvassing, and I was asking people, well, who's your second choice? Your... People were like, well, I want to vote for Bernie Sanders, but my second choice is Donald Trump. My right. third choice is Kasich. And I'm like, what? Yeah. How does that even work? I don't even know where that... Is it just the anti-establishment thing? Is well, that Kasich's all it not, is? I mean, Kasich's like the the super establishment. I mean, Kasich right. for the for the uh, Republican Party, the uh, Don Don Kasich. Hey, I'm Don Kasich. Come down. Done. I sell farts and jaws. Um, I don't know what the business is. I'm sure it's very successful. Farts and jars. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Wonderful. But no, John Kasich. He is uh, the compassionate conservative, right. which yes. is W was right. in 1999 for that campaign. Yep. Um, well, I mean, mostly so for could... Trump going to Hillary or for going from Bernie Sanders to Trump. Right. Like that well, has to just be anti-establishment. No, no, I don't think it necessarily is. If you look at Trump's foreign policy, um, other than his rhetoric, it's it's. He never voted for the war. He was against the war the entire time. They do have never some. Voted for anything. Never voted for anything, but he wrote a great book. Right. It's, second, mm-hmm. it's the second best book next to the Bible, <laughs> uh, which is great. They have a very similar foreign policy if you really look at what they're talking about. And if you look at uh, Donald Trump's immigration plan, we're going to build a wall. We're going to put a big door in the wall. People can come back in. I mean, it's. You could argue it's borderline amnesty. He's going to go filter out. <laughs> he's going to filter out the good ones, keep in, and, and then... It's actually more similar to Hillary Clinton's plan. It's sim- she actually wanted... These are the things that Hillary Clinton thinks. She wanted a wall. She advocated I for mean, a wall at some point. We need we have it, bridges that need fixing. Thank you. Like that that's what we yes. need. like they're talking about walls. We 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 need to build bridges. We right. need to build, We're not talking about rational ideas here. We're talking about people trying to win the presidency. <laughs> so I, but I think if you and if you go to uh you know if you want to go as people demonize Hillary Clinton for her older conservative views, right? Yeah. She was very anti-gay like marriage. <laughs> yeah, like two years ago, you know, the uh, what she did with blacks as far as the prison industrial complex right. goes, like we talked about earlier. You go back, you listen to old Trump. I kind of like old Trump. I like old Trump. I dislike old Hillary. 
Um, so, but who? what's real? So I yeah. feel like right. people have so much mistrust in the people running for office. They and, and I think it goes for Bernie as well. They're like, it doesn't matter if he's kind of lying to us. At least we have an advocate in the White House. Right. And if they get one-tenth of what they want to get done done, I suppose I'm happy. Or or, or more, so, more so with, with Sanders, I think it's more that he – because I've seen a lot of Republicans say, I would vote for him because I don't like – that he, I like the fact that he's not accepting money from anybody else, and right. he's not a billionaire. Yes, because there's there's a clear difference between Donald Trump, who's not accepting money from anybody else, and and Bernie Sanders. Right, and that's being an average Joe. Right. Um, it's it's a fascinating year. I don't know. I think that Donald Trump does have some very progressive. There's progressive sides to him. I don't see the electoral math still. Uh, okay, and and why not? Because right now, what I'm looking at in my head, I. South Carolina was the biggest state for him, in my opinion, because yeah. it proves that he can win in these evangelical, uh, these evangelical Republican strongholds. We never, I never thought he was going to be able to uh, uh, win, except for a couple of weeks ago. I began to think it was, uh, it was, it was possible. They're going into the SEC primary yeah. in the Republican Party. He won South Carolina. What's stopping him from winning Georgia? What's stopping him from winning Arkansas? And they what? are winner-take-all states. Uh, exactly. I mean, that's they, the difference they, between our party. Exactly. All party. you need to do is get 1,237 delegates uh, in the Republican Party. Uh, South Carolina was, I believe he got 44. Um, or maybe it was a 50. It was 50. So, I mean, it was, it, it, it's massive. So what what is the math? What's the flaw in the math uh, of the plan for Trump? How do you see him not getting the nomination? The flaw in the math is I think that Cruz will stay in as long as possible just yes. to stick it to him. And he will be getting the Right to Rise Super PAC that's been funding. Yeah. Jeb has will be giving a lot of cash to either Rubio. I think Kasich may be able to get some. Yeah, I think Kasich's going to get more um, than people think. I think so, too, because I thought he's yeah. been he's been doing a very, very good job. Yeah, and his, his strategy was never to win South Carolina or Iowa. His strategy was to do well in New Hampshire, right. to focus on Michigan, Ohio, exactly. all of the Midwest states, which have a lot of delegates. But I mean, couldn't you make the argument, so if Rubio stays in, K, uh, Cruz stays in, let's just say Kasich stays in, yeah. now you have a four-way race. Doesn't that benefit Trump? Because people always said he's never going to get over 25%. He's never going to get over 30%. Uh, I believe in a general election. I don't see how he could get over 38 to 42% in a general election. I just feel like there's a Trump ceiling. I really believe it. Right. But, of course, that could all be thrown into question if someone like a Bloomberg throws him his right. name in. Uh, Who is right. he pulling away? I mean, very similar to – I mean, Bill Clinton won the White House with 43% of the vote. So, um, exactly. is, is, so to your point, the Cruz stays in. Doesn't that help Trump? Uh, no, because it pulls away the key support he needs to counter someone like if if Kasich were to step out or Rubio were to step out for right. some reason, um, and you have one moderate candidate, that moderate candidate will get the number. I mean, I have to look into the the numbers specifically, but like okay, say it's Kasich. I actually think Kasich is a more realistic opposition to Donald Trump than Marco Rubio. And why do you say that? Uh, the white working class voters. Yeah, I agree. And that can crack into to Trump's white working class voters, especially mm -hmm. if he gets more time on the stage. Right. You know, every he's been surging in the last few. He has. Poll, immediate poll numbers nationally, at least. Mm -hmm. I liked him all right debates. in the last uh, debate. He yeah. was okay. Yeah. You I, know, like right. yeah, there's a lot of things that he's done that I really don't agree with, but. Right. He's okay. Bad oh. head, but... Bad head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, I, I don't know which one has a good head. I, I don't know. All of them. I don't know. Maybe... <laughs> Kasich has the cabbage patch head. He looks like his eyes are made out of buttons. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe <laughs> oh, he's very smart. Um, but, no, I mean, they did try to legalize oh, uh, in Ohio. They tried to legalize marijuana, but people didn't like the five... It was a. It yeah. was only five companies would control the entire uh, distribution process. So I, I, I would have voted for it, but I don't... 
people did not like it. So there are some things that he does that are relatively moderate. He talks yeah. to some Democrats. people they call some really far uh, right people call him a liberal, which is not even you know, close. He shut yeah. down Planned Parenthood. He defunded yeah. Planned Parenthood. You know, he has a he has a war against unions. I mean, there's a lot of really bad things that Kasich has sure. done, but he does talk to Democrats. A good friend of mine is a state senator in Ohio, and she says, you know, I don't agree with half the things he says, more than half the things he says, but he's willing to negotiate. Yeah. And that's important right now. It is. To well, I mean, it's important. I mean, it is uh, the foundation of American politics. And, and if you put that up against Hillary, that. by the way, I mm-hmm. mean, if, if it does get to a point when you're looking at these three candidates and you know that Hillary Clinton is possibly the nominee, who's going to be able to negotiate with the other side when someone is so divisive like a Hillary Clinton? Sure. Mm-hmm. And I think people will be going out in protest. Yeah. To Hillary, if she is the nominee, so you see that Kasich. So you see Kasich as a as a potential candidate if he can somehow push through and get his numbers up a little bit because he he's gonna yeah. have to do better uh, in the uh, in the which I believe is Nevada for the uh, Republicans. Mm-hmm. Right. He's gonna have to do better. Right. He's gonna have to get in the teens, right? And but I don't see him taking away from Rubio. I don't see him taking away from Cruz. So it'll be interesting to see where Jeb's people go. Yeah. Jeb as the sort of moderate. He want he ran as uh, similar to again W. He ran as kind of a nice guy Republican, mm-hmm. and Kasich, uh, Kasich is kind of filling that void. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he can get some of his support. Don't mm-hmm. forget how much money that Jeb Bush spent fighting on Marco Rubio. Nothing. Uh, on nothing. Mar- no, but fighting Marco Rubio. Yeah, yeah yes, yes, he did. And in terrible, this is oh, why yeah. people- boots are made from <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that that is, <laughs> could be the worst political ad I've ever seen in I my think it is the worst. Life. I'm yeah. calling it the worst. Yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> I mean, uh, really, Jeb Bush's uh, presidential run will be taught in political science courses yeah. for decades. Yeah. But as, as far as what not to do, failed right. campaigns, it's the number one example. It, it's, it's insane. And, and it's also, it's possible, you could look at last night as- Possibly the death of the Republican Party if Trump gets well, in. They're there, winning. I mean, well, I mean, I'm telling you, the Republican what is so Party interesting as we is, know it. The I'm, Republican Party is the one is the party right now that is the most. Yep. It is the it is the most free thinking party. If you look at the candidates yep. that were that are up there, there is a lot of unique thoughts amongst the uh, you know on the on the dais as opposed to the uh, Democratic Party where you have. Two very rigid philosophies. Rigid is it? That is exactly the word that came to mind right before you said rigid. I thought our party is Uh-oh. rigid. We are. Sweet. Oh, this is nice. I'm going to shrink four inches. You're going to get tall four <laughs> inches, and we'll be married. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. That's what happens. That's what... <laughs> no, I mean the, the Republican Party with the demographics against them is winning states, winning legis- They're winning the legislatures. They're winning um, judicial nominees. I mean, it's it's. They have a, a congressional, I mean, Congress, obviously, and I quite frankly think they might actually win the presidency. I can't believe I'm saying that as a Democrat. But last night after Nevada, I sat there with my father and I said, Holy shit, Mark Rubio is going to be our president. Mm. And I didn't see the path to victory for him a month ago, but I see the path to victory for him tomorrow. And How is, what is it? Well, I mean, I, I think that I do think collectively he will be able to, to garner the support needed. Yeah. Um, and take on Trump. I think that Trump's shtick, like you said, there's there's a there's a there's a every there's a everybody has been it. wrong before though. So that's why I'm like well, I'm very like it's a ceiling, but it's like but there's um, a ceiling. What's what's the what's the name of the bad ceiling uh, stuff that's always in offices? Stucco. Yeah, it's stucco. stucco. <laughs> it's a stucco ceiling, so you can put a pencil through it. Yeah. You know, I, I, but I, I just feel like that. But I. Well, who I mean, knows? If, if it's Marco Rubio and Donald Trump, the establishment's not going to go in Donald Trump's favor. Right. There's none of that. It's just not going to happen. I mean, right now. The establishment, the people that I I know in the Republican world, which mm-hmm. strangely enough I know more than I should, they're going to Trump, they're going to Marco Rubio, and mm-hmm. they're making calls to Jeb Bush's supporters and his funders, and saying instead of going to Kasich, go to Marco Rubio. Sure. Um, 
And that scares the crap out of me as a Democrat because if we're putting all of our money into Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton, I mean, the one attack I have on Marco Rubio that I think could work in the, in, in the general election is the fact that he has been funded and supported and created by the sugar industry. And it is he has been sued mm. for um, election fraud, for, for, the, for party fraud in his state. Like, there's a lot of problems, a, a bad track record for Marco Rubio in his state in terms of fraud. Hmm. Um, but Hillary Clinton is not one to make that case. That's very interesting. Marco's a very manipulative politician. He's got big sugar behind him. They're killing Chris Christie. <laughs> that's an assassination. That is a that's a Bam. backdoor assassination. Uh, really, oh. he's at the sugar industry is uh, was made by Marco Rubio was made by the sugar made industry. By the sugar industry. That is extremely bad news. Is that a large? That's a large. I mean, obviously, it was a large industry in Florida. Yeah. Sugarcane, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But Hillary Clinton horrible. can't make that argument against him. She's going to say, "I'm a woman. You're a young Latino guy. You might even have Nikki Haley as your vice presidential nominee." Right. Right. I mean, it's just demographically doesn't work mm. it, it, it's it's a poor case and and for her it's going to be at voter turnout and getting those young people yeah. well it seems like voter suppressing voter turnout seems well, to be the hillary way to go in the primary oh i see but, yeah then they want to get everybody in yeah. obviously yeah. but republicans i mean with the numbers not in their favor they are kicking ass right all right we got to wrap all this right, up let's this wrap is it up. so good <laughs> naomi nomi oh goodness gracious nomi nomi const const constitution nomi, const Naomi Constitution. Nomiki Const. Constitution. Nomiki Const. No one wants to hear me say it anymore. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. But just yes, the, thank the you. Final, final question: thank What you, happens if Donald Trump runs third term? Who wins? Third. Term. I mean, I mean, third. Uh, <laughs> if he gets, if, if he runs a, a, a third party against two. Again, it's Rubio, Trump, uh, Hillary. Does this help Hillary? Hillary wins. No. Oh, that's a tough one. I don't know. Then, we'll Joe, then Joe Biden will jump in, and then we're just—I mean, seriously—if if oh that's going to happen, why not? Yeah. See, I was with you. I was—I oh. was a Biden guy too. Hey. A few months ago. This is going to be exciting. Um, where can people find you? You can find me uh, on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Give at, them your personal home address and, like, you know. Yeah, mm -hmm. I don't really have a home right now. Okay. At at n o m i k i k o n s t. And I'm like that on Facebook, everything. It's just my first name and my last name. Awesome. Nomi Kunst. Thank uh, you. Thank you so much, Marcus. You can find Marcus Parks on Twitter at Marcus Parks. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Kitzel. I'm going to be on Red Eye this Friday. Hey. Technically Saturday at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'm bringing all my great analogies. I know. Oh, yeah. Mayonnaise. <laughs> spread on. Toasted. Like they're spreading around stuff. That's great. <laughs> All right, everyone. And join the Facebook page, Abling and Stop It. We're over 1,000. Thank you guys so much Ooh. for doing that. And, of course, yeah. All right. We'll talk to you soon. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and Sirius XM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and Sirius XM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts 
to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.